Linux OTC. Welcome to episode 13. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Norbert. I'm Leo. All right, so what do we want to talk about? Okay, well, we got some hateful stuff going on here. Hateful? Um, it's, well, the... Um, Let's just say it's it's a bit unfortunate time for me to be a Fedora user. Oh, no, I don't know. No, it's not. No, it's well, not. I know it's, it's technically its own separate uh, sovereign entity uh, project. So it's not... I mean, I'm not really worried. I don't, I don't really plan to leave Fedora just because of what Red Hat is doing. <gasps> Hold on now. Red Hat did something then. Red Hat did something. Red Hat. So for those of you that are confused, and I, I guess if I was being honest, I am too. Um, There's nothing to be confused about. We, we will, are we will, like dissect it all, and we and... we will dissect a little bit of it. I mean, we've this is kind of a developing thing, I suppose. But uh, on June 26, twenty twenty three. Uh, Red Hat announced that they will not be upstreaming. How do I explain this? The so, uh, yeah, in in a blog post that Red Hat put out that day, uh, they the thing was titled "Furthering the Evolution of CentOS Stream," and the point of this particular blog post was just to explain that they are no longer going to be publishing the the sources that they push into CentOS Stream into GitHub anymore. Well. They didn't really mention what that was, what wider impact that was going to have, because as we found out later on, they do not care. Um, well, I think they do care, actually. We'll get into that too. Uh, but they might individually care, but as a company, well, I, they, I, I guess what I mean is like they care. They did this move on purpose, uh, but but again, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So they stopped publishing to get. Um, and unfortunately for the likes of Springdale and Alma and Oracle and Rocky, that's where they pulled their sources from to build their clones. So that that was the move. That was the blog post. And man, you can go back in all the channels that I'm in. And that day, I was going to every channel. And I was like, hey, guys. How come we're not talking about this? What's the deal? Why is there a lag in this? The uh, because we were talking about on this show the Flatpak thing, the LibreOffice Flatpak, where yeah. you know they're just not publishing LibreOffice as RPM anymore. They're going to go. They're just going strictly to Flatpak, um, and that wasn't going to affect the ELs, the the enterprise Linuxes until ten, but it affects Fedora like probably now, right? Like now ish, or if not now, like real soon. So probably um, the next one that. 39 should okay, be affected. Okay. okay. So in a couple of months it's yeah, going to it's yeah. it's going to hit the fedoras. Okay. I have been using uh, both Firefox and LibreOffice as a flatback. And this yeah. this is this is this kind of ties into a different discussion around the Firefox and Okay. So Indian let's let's later. let's finish off this one before we get into that one. Um, yeah. so when they did that, when they did the flatpak change, I mean it was instantaneous. People were pissed off. Like Oh my God! How dare they do this? And I thought it was a silly thing to be mad about, 
Flatpak is the future. I mean, Red Hat very specifically is sponsoring the development of Flatpak to move to it. And Fedora, for all of its good, for all of its bad, is absolutely a future-embracing distro. They will make those changes before just about anybody. I mean, they make a lot of these changes before Arch make these changes. So it, it, it is not surprising to me. The thing that surprised me was that something that, I mean, if Rocky and Alma were not so adamant about staying alive, would have killed the Enterprise clone community. That's what this move was intended to do. Now, they didn't say it in this particular blog post, but in the next blog post a couple days ago, because there was about a day, a day, day and a half of lag, but then everybody was pissed about it. <laughs> so I got my wish. It was just a little late, and I didn't know why. Well, could it be because not as many people are really following the enterprise space as much? Because Probably. when Red Hat announces something like the you know the whole LibreOffice thing, you know that really kind of touches everybody. That touches that touches the Red Hat users, the users themselves as well. I mean, in in the future, of course, but also the the non enterprise. Uh, CentOS users as well as the uh, uh, Fedora users. So, mm. you know, that that might have been the reason why it, it caught the zeitgeist a little bit quicker. And then, and then you know, the people who are perhaps in, I wanted to say, well, a lesser numeric category uh, might be, might be catching wind of something like, like this because, uh, I didn't find out about it until last. The first time I heard about it was on the last episode of um, one of Joe Resington's shows. I can't remember, but it was this. It was this week, right? And then, I, and then I heard about it on uh, Linux Action News, which was just I think Wednesday. So yeah, this did not pick up speed quite as fast as the uh, flat pack thing did. Right. But it is it should be taken just as seriously if not more because this this is kind of I'm not sure what can be done about this. Okay. So there are paths forward. That's that's kind of the cool thing that's that's come over the past couple of days, but in the in the medium time, uh Red Hat put out another post and it's from Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath put out the first one and then all the fervor happened a couple days later. And then so on the 26th of June, he put out a second one that said Red Hat's commitment to open source because one of the main refrains from people, and this includes the lawyers at the Software Freedom Conservancy, right? Like people that know more than me about what the GPL means and what it, what it means to actually be compliant underneath it, right? They came out and said, we are not sure that Red Hat doing this um, is compliant under the GPL. Um, because Red Hat's, uh, what Red Hat is saying is that anybody that gets our software who ha who is a customer, because only customers can get Red Hat software. And developers. Um, have, have access to the sources. And that, this is what Red Hat is saying, that d makes it compliant underneath the GPL. What was that, Norbert? And developers, you can have 
a free developer account, but you are right. You, but but they're, but you have, they're still you also considered have to customers because yeah. they have an account, yeah. right? So they still have to agree to the license agreement that whenever you get an account, it says, "Here's this wall of text, and here's what you will and will not do with this account." And the big thing that catches everybody out on this is you will not redistribute the sources. So that kind of hamstrings any kind of attempt of Rocky and Alma just getting a developer account and then just grabbing the sources and then just spinning them straight into Alma and Rocky. Yeah, because so, the GPR says that you need to have the freedom to use the software to look at the code, to modify the code and redistribute your modified code. That's where I'm getting confused yes, but, here. Right, okay, but, so here's the thing. If, but, but, the GPL... but wait, if you get... If you get the so if you're a Red Hat customer and you get the source code from the the customer portal and you redistribute it, that is that that is not illegal because the GPR says you can redistribute it. Correct. However, if Red Hat finds out that you have been re redistributing it, they will revoke your access to the customer portal, so you will not be getting any new source code for the new updates. Exactly. So that's basically how they say that how they are circumventing the the GPL. Uh, limitation. So they're loopholing. Yeah, is they're, basically. I, I don't think they're loopholing. I, I th this is, uh, you know, you can argue about the spirit of the GPL all you want to, but I mean, you can decide who gets your software. That is not a restriction of of the GPL. It does not tell you who you can and cannot give your software to. It is within the letter of the GPL to do what they're doing. Now the SFC takes. Uh, uh, not offense, uh, issue. They take issue with that. They they say that, you know, in the letter and the spirit, it is, it's, but those guys are lawyers and they know better than I do. But on, on a layman read through, it seems to me that that's what they can do. So that's what they are doing. And so that's the read that the Red Hat lawyers have too. So did, eh, did they specifically use the word spirit, the spirit of open source? Uh, they use because, both the letter and the spirit in yeah, their I, big old. Um, is does the well, when when they say the spirit, they're talking about ethicality. We're like, yeah, like, is but, it ethical to do what they're doing? Yes, but, it, yeah, like under yeah. the GPL, but right? Like ethics uh, and and uh, legal stuff are two different things. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have. So to basically, be this means I can make a project, and then I can create some sort of portal. Uh, portal yeah. where I am saying, okay, if you want access to the source code, you got to sign up to this account. You got to get yourself an account and, you know, be on the mailing list and all that mm -hmm, garbage. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you have access to the source code. But here's the rules that we're going to put down. This is, yes, this is GPL software. Um, but if you take this GPL software and you redistribute it, and you rename it like people have been doing since day one. We're going to revoke your access to this uh, to this portal, and we're saying that that's okay. That that is that is within... what Red Hat is saying. Yes. Okay. The, uh, the The SFC takes issue with that and says that they do not believe that that is not, and the way that the GPL puts it, I believe, is an unreasonable restriction. I think um, on on uh, like. Getting the source that, essentially. That that wording is a bit vague. What? 
But there's the, there's a the, uh, oh. vague, vague. No, the, the, the oh, word vague. 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 Yeah, vague. Oh, vague. got it. Got it. So vague. does yeah, the GPL you. actually well, right. use the word unreasonable? Oh, I'm sorry? Does the GPL actually use the word unreasonable? I can't remember the exact wording, but it's something like that. Because yes. if it does, that that's vague, not vogue. Vague. Vague. Right. Vague. Got it. Okay. V a g u e. Yes. Yes. French words, it man. It really. I mean, leaving the the ethicality and the legality aside, this really feels like they went looking for a reason to pull people's access to this. The, but that's I my mean, point. Yes, they did. This was exactly a play to kill the clones. And they admit yeah. as much in the second blog post. So the Red Hat commitment to open source response to the git.centos.org changes uh, where Mike McGrath goes in. I, does he use the word free? No, he doesn't use the word freeloader in this blog post, but there was a whole lot of chatter from Red Hat employees using the verbiage freeloaders uh, to refer to um, the the downstream clones, the the enterprise clones. And I watched the um, the CIQ where Greg Kurtzer and, and a couple of the others that work on Rocky uh, were talking about it. And I think he put it really well. He was saying that um, calling Rocky Linux or, you know, the EL clones freeloaders is not a slight against Rocky or the clones. It's a slight against the customers of those clones or the users of those clones, right? You don't even have to be a customer to be a user. Um, and I think that's that's very true. Uh, that rings very true to me uh, because Red Hat, I mean, yes, they're taking issue with uh, people rebuilding their software, but the people that use the software are really the only way that those particular distributions get any traction. So anything you say of those distros, you're saying of those users as well. Now, how about, what do you guys think of this? Uh, I've seen it in plenty of Reddit posts. Yes, I got on Reddit, sue me. Um, the opinion seems to be that there's more CentOS users or more Rocky uh, and all users than there is rel users. No, well, well, I, when you say CentOS, with... are you including CentOS Stream or just? Seven? I, I'm not actually. I'm not including CentOS at all. I'm uh, including the the Stream clones. and rel versus the clones. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Right. I, to be honest with you, just on a gut feeling, this has no data behind it because we do not have the data. We cannot yeah. say. It can what's only what. be anecdotal. But my gut feeling is, nah, that's wrong. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way that you have more of the Rocky users than you do uh, customers. I think what, what might might happen, though, is that you have RHEL, users of RHEL, and then for you know the things that you don't want to license or your testing boxes or whatever that you don't want to have to ask permission from Red Hat to, to spin up, you spin up Rocky or Alma or whatever. So I think there are lots of both, and I think there are more Red Hat that are not both, more Red Hat than... Um, the clones, but you know that's unscientific. I cannot back that up with anything. And because okay. they're supposed to be back to back compatible, if you want, you can convert a Elma or Rocky system into Red Hat and get a subscription, and then you suddenly get the Red Hat support. Because the big thing, the big difference is that with Red Hat, if you pay, you get the support. Well, so the, the my thing impression, about the conversion, yeah, is my impression, that it doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. The mm -hmm. uh, had Red Hat employees come out and say uh, there are no 
Rocky or Alma to Rel conversion scripts. There are Oracle to Red Hat conversion scripts, but there are no official Rocky or Alma to uh, Rel scripts. It, I never really thought about, but Oracle Linux is also a Rel clone, but they are also a company, so they are they also and they are also paid, right? They also sell the supports. But that's like a whole separate so issue that, right, right there. That, that, and that, they're also that, very that, quiet. They so, haven't said anything. Yeah, yeah. So, they are extremely quiet. So it quiet. makes the argument that that uh, the, the community uh, rail clones are freeloaders. But th- you can u- use those for free. But Oracle, you have to pay for. So Same that, as you do so, rail. You yeah, have so to that have would, a subscription. But yeah. they are still a rebuild of rail. So that would make Correct. them a bigger freeloader in, Look, there, in, there in that argument. Not, there's not a company in this world that I don't believe has a statement about this. Um, I mean, it is it is Oracle is the biggest one that would have a statement. But I guarantee you the reason that they have not said anything is because their lawyers said, shut up, just shut up. We will write a statement. You shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee that's what happened. Um, but to finish off the blog post thing. So uh, Mike McGrath finishes off. Uh, simply rebuilding code without adding value or changing it in any way represents a real threat to open source companies everywhere. This is a real threat to open source and one that has the potential to revert open source back into a hobbyist and hackers only activity. And if I'm not mistaken, <sighs> this is in the blog post. This is the this is the Bill yeah, Gates I'm quote. Yeah, I'm looking at isn't it? exactly what you yeah. Or is it, I'm looking at exactly what you uh, just said. It's in the blog yeah, post. Yeah, I don't know if this is the Bill Gates quote, but Bill Gates said something very very similar if not the exact same um, back in the 90s. Well, but I don't know that I agree with that completely. It's I can not. See. There's no open source works that way. Yeah. Are you telling me that every fork in the entire world does not quote add value or change it in any way? I mean, because I, I get the, that's, the, the, that's what that's what Rel does because Red Hat is a distribution. It's a collection of a bunch of separate, in, independent, free of software projects like yeah. any other distribution. And a lot of those projects get a lot of attention and development and money from Red Hat. So if you're what it if is, you're using is they want to get value one way or the other out of every user yeah. of this code that, that's base. The... Meaning whether it's people that are using CentOS Stream and they're filing bug reports or they're people using and the same with Fedora, they're filing bug reports, they're trying things out, or they're paying for Red Hat official support you know they're getting value out of that and as a company everything about this makes absolute sense yes but if you are someone who has been using centos or rocky or alma in production somewhere in your company and red hat tells you to move to centos stream what they are telling you is become their beta tester and use their beta software in production in your company which from the point of view of the the business owner is i can understand that how it seems not logical to well, no, move I from mean, stable what, software to beta software. And I'm saying not, beta because essentially CentOS Stream is a, is a beta of Red Hat. I, I don't know if I agree with beta, but... I don't know if I'd say beta. I, I, would, I would say that it's in a hardening phase. Yeah. So basically, because but they're still, not, it's theoretically less stable than RHEL. Red Hat is not telling you to go use CentOS Stream for your production. That is not what they are saying. They are saying... Come buy licenses. 
and use rel yeah. use real rel for but your if you services. can't we got centos yeah. stream over here exactly so if if you're if you cannot afford real rel then use centos stream it is a, it is a backup plan but because it tracks uh centos tracks then you're just using rel that'll be released in a couple of months yeah that's that's what that you're doing is, i can see that being fair because okay. you know i've been using fedora for more than a year and it has been the most stable distro i've ever used so if 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 i made a comparison that centos stream is like a beta for red hat that would make fedora the alpha of red hat and kind of but yeah. it's so and many if, years apart that i don't yeah, even think yeah. that it that's, and that rings true either if fedora is so stable and there's also Fedora Server and Fedora CoreOS that you can use, then I assume that CentOS 3 must be even more stable. There's probably a, a standard of stableness that the businesses prefer that was the old CentOS and RHEL. I, I think it's I'm, less about Fedora yeah. being stable yeah. uh, than it is about just software in general being stable or yeah. now, more stable. Yeah. Um, and Fedora just reaping the benefit yeah. of that, even though that they, I mean, they're, they're right in the cusp there. Of uh, of just I mean straight up, this is right off the trunk, dude. <laughs> we just we threw yeah. this one in. <laughs> you know the, the yeah. entire. And I've looked at CentOS Stream, and from what I can tell, it's just as I mean it it looks and acts the same to me, which begs the question. I mean I know there's nuance and it's complicated, but is there? I think this might be the most important question for people that are depending on Rocky and Alma. Is there a transition path from those distributions to either uh, paid subscription on RHEL or uh, move over to CentOS? So moving an existing system is what you're saying and not reinstalling, but moving an existing system. Yeah, Yeah, because you're going to have... Uh, maybe that might be a really goodwill effort that Red Hat could I mean, make. Goodwill was not touching the the Git uh, GitHub, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, they are well aware of the. So what they're doing is they're looking at the bottom line, yep. right? And they they're going to see to their. So that being said. They should understand that many of these companies that have that have chose to use Rocky and Alma are doing so because they're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is some companies just don't value their IT as much as they should. And if they can find a free way to get the exact same software that they would get from RHEL, then they'll you know some companies will go that route. Because the people that are making the decisions to do that are, unfortunately, uh, their bonus system or their their how they're evaluated as an employee is based on how much money they save the company, and so they go with things like Rocky and Alma. So, if Red Hat Red Hat might do well to understand that that's that's part of the reason why some companies might have went that route and at least put some tooling in place to give these people a clear transition path. They know. They they knew. Um, I mean, at, at least at the very moment the, the blog dropped, the first one, they knew, and the tooling's not there. It's on purpose. So why? Because if there was a tool tooling to move to RHEL itself from Rocky and Alma, that 
You tell me. Why yeah, would so a company pull the rug out from underneath the clones and give no path into into Rel? No, no official path. There are paths. You can do it. But why would a company do that? It's like they're saying basically, well, we never told you to go do this in the first place. Mm. Well, you it, did mm-hmm. because you even went so far as to remove the branding from the... If if anything, this might make businesses be less inclined to choose clones in the future if the clones stay... Or less inclined to use Rel because what are they yeah. going to rip the... Now, now we're cooking with gas, y'all. Yes, a company did this to discourage future use. Of clones. So not only did they rug pull everybody using clones now, the intention was to scare people. And you hit it, man. You hit it, Norbert. That was nail on the head right there. And now people are going to be scared to use the clones because what if Red Hat does something different now? And and I keep thinking that all of this discussion, people say Enterprise Linux, Red Hat has become synonymous with, with Enterprise Linux. They but, are you know, Enterprise yes, Linux. They but, are. Yes, but there was, there's also SUSE and Canonical. And I can't help but think that maybe this will give some more traction to OpenSUSE Leap and, and Ubuntu server, both of which you can use without a subscription, even in business. Yeah, but, dude, here's the thing. If Red Hat can do it, then so can Open or so can SUSE and so can Canonical. Everyone so can do it. Why, why, yeah, so like, why would your next... Thing, your next choice be all right this one company burned me they were good for 20 years they burned me then now i'm gonna go to a different company that can do yes, the exact but, same thing but to me who owns red hat what no, I, I, careful every single red hatter i don't know how true this is but every single red hatter has said up to mike mcgrath has said IBM had no hand in this. Red Hat stepped in it all by themselves. Now, I mean, <laughs> I have nothing else to go off of. I I don't know any of the high ups at IBM to know whether or not they told Mike McGrath to just you keep our names out of your mouth when you when you talk about this stuff. I mean, maybe that is what happened, but that is not what is said, and I can't go off of. Uh, you know that kind of that. Well, kind that of... was the obvious thing everybody said, wasn't it? That he's just an IBM employee. That, yeah. but I because mean, Red the... Hat has made shady decisions in the past. It's not like uh, it, it, and during the CentOS thing, the first CentOS, the CentOS, the CentOS stream thing, you had so many employees saying, "Man, we really stepped in it on this one. We really should have given more runway. We really shouldn't have done it during the middle of a cycle. We really shouldn't. We really." All of those are fired now. They were laid off. <laughs> so the people that were listening, that were going to make the decisions, that were going to affect the community long term are gone. So the lessons learned were gone with them. And they did it again in the middle of a cycle. It's like this stuff wouldn't be so bad if it was like, all right, you know, at the end of CentOS 8, things are going to be different now. It and you got, that you got your eight years of runway until until we get there. You got to figure something we out. We just cutting it out right years. now. We ain't. Yeah, they were just like, you know what? Guess what? End of, of year. Now. Y'all got six months. Good luck. That's what <laughs> happened. And no one was prepared for that. And and so you get burned then, and then you get burned again this last month. And man, oh, ooh boy. Okay, ooh boy. so what can Alma and Rocky do? Okay, they. So, I think they can take the 
the, the source code from the, the CentOS stream kit that is That is closest. not what they are going that, to that, do. Yeah, but that is closest to the RHEL source code. So they can take the source code before it enters the, the Red Hat bl- uh, black box. And whenever there is something that has to be backported that RHEL themselves would backport into their sources, they get the patches and backport them themselves. So they would have to do more work, but they, it, the end uh, result would probably not be nearly as as It wouldn't be EL, to, yeah, first off. It, yeah. yeah. The, well, so I was watching the CIQ uh, thing uh, again with, uh, uh, oh man, Gregory Kurtzer uh, and team. And they did give a pretty in-depth way of how they are going to move forward and how that is not going to affect their customers or their users in any way. Um, and it's kind of funny because uh, Red Hat is using a very specific reading of the GPL uh, with regards to restrictions to uh, to kind of wall off the source code access to people that are not paying customers, right? Well, <laughs> so is Rocky. Rocky is using um, the workaround, which is, you know where Red Hat is? Pretty much everywhere in the cloud. They're on AWS, they're on Google, they're on wherever. So for, you know, a couple dollars a month or whatever, you get access to the containers and the the virtual machines. And if you have access to RHEL, you have access to the source code. So what they do is they spin up VMs and they spin up containers and they pull the source that way. Because if you have RHEL, the, the source is available to you. Oh, man. So <laughs> there it is. Though that's the end run around, which is fine. If I can't get rel from a proper subscription, then I'm going to do the end run and go to Amazon and say, give me rel. And Amazon will say, okay, that'll be $1.99. And they'll pull the sources from that. Which Red Hat probably perfectly was aware of. So this just confirms that this was a move to scare people from away from the clones. I don't think so. I... I I think you're giving them too much credit. I don't think this read was what they had envisioned. I think what's going to happen in the next couple of months is Red Hat is going to move to put that stuff behind a paywall yeah. too or put additional restriction so that they can then write into their license agreement that not only do you have to have a subscription to get real rel from us you also have to have a subscription or at least agree to something to get rel anywhere else too so we're gonna see how that plays out but at least for right now at least for 9.2 i mean rocky's winning and i suppose alma is gonna do the same thing and springdale and this is why i think oracle's being quiet because they knew the same thing and they knew that they could get their sources from multiple places. And Red Hat didn't turn off the tap for all of them. So instead of Oracle sticking its foot in its mouth, it was just like, shh, we'll just keep until something forces us to make a change, uh, a real substantive change to our customers or to our users. We're going to just, nope, mom's the word. You know, I didn't actually think about this because my assumption was that to get Rel in any shape or form, you have to ha- have a a customer account. No, with same with same with Microsoft. You don't have to buy a real Microsoft Windows license to re- be able to run Windows on uh, in the cloud. You you could do that for cheap, pretty cheap. 
and you don't have to have a license, right? Like, so you know, they're getting around uh, running desktop Windows the same way they're getting around running RHEL. You can yeah, install it for free but, on a KVM. You can't like customize well, you can anything, but it runs. Windows free on a on a real hardware as well. You can just yeah, it just create. You just can't do any customizing. Tool. You get either the light theme or yeah, the dark they, they've theme. They've been much more open with that. Yeah. these past few years. That's which is kind of yeah, crazy, <laughs> but I mean, I'm thankful for it because I I've got like two, I've got two uses in an entire year for window. Yeah, for Windows, which is not enough. Yeah, you to get pay like uh, what is it like 160 days or something like that? You get to rearm it a couple times before it dies. Um, this doesn't die at all. It just oh oh that's no. right it doesn't ever die no, it just tells it just, you that you need to activate like it forever. doesn't say anything until you go to the activation page and then it oh. says Windows is not activated and yeah. if you try to do any uh, customization to it which who does that oh that's right you know I was running you. my daughter's desktop that way for a little while and I was like oh let's change to dark mode and it said no you need a license for that and I'm like hmm okay let me dig in my bag of tricks I think ten was license. kind of the same way except it would. It would put this watermark on your desktop saying that Windows is not activated or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But then I guess it still had some functionality. But I mean, you'd run a full screen game. Yeah. Uh, and it still says it, but you know, you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. So. And it updates and everything. I just updated mine earlier today, just just for lulls in that. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I, oh, I beat lulls because of what? It might not reboot. I, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> That you can get that kind of use out of it, but it makes sense because they want as many people as possible plugging into their data engine and you know getting all the metrics and the user data that they can from them, yeah. you know, which is yeah. far you know, more valuable than a hundred dollar <laughs> uh, license fee. So before you know, how, we meander off too far of the topic, um, I was going to you, say, what do you think is going to happen with the other, uh, I guess, distributions that could? fill the gap i think that depends on how much of this has to do with the general trends in tech uh, in the big companies recently because everyone is either laying off people or revoking api access or or closing down their their ecosystem or all of them because mm -hmm. if i mean not not just you know twitter and uh, reddit closing stuff then because they don't want others to mine their data for ai and Right. Basically, the general thing that how the way I understand it is a lot of tech companies have been running on, uh, to phrase it, borrowed time. Like they now realize realizing that the way they have been operating this past decade is not necessarily profitable in the long in the long term. Not not just decade since the beginning of the internet. Oh, the internet Th this yeah. is the thing. the 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 whole Web two point whatever, like the internet was always meant to be open. They're, they're like, I get proprietary stuff, but chatter on the internet was never meant to be closed like this. Yeah. And now you have to go only through the official channels to be able to get access to absolutely just about anything on yeah. the internet unless it's like a blog. And in connection to this, a take that I've seen in a couple of places was that uh, IBM, both Red Hat, uh, but it hasn't been very profitable for them so far. So that's why I was thinking... Red Hat's insanely profitable. Yeah. Is it? Oh. Yeah, billions. Yeah. A year. Insanely profitable. Oh. <laughs> this is why I didn't, I didn't understand the move. Like, 
billions a year, just an extra billion now, though. We got a number must go up. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same with other companies, Reddit, Twitter, and most companies. Yeah, well, social media companies are hard yeah. to monetize. I have I mean, been very content on Mastodon uh, for the past couple of weeks. I yeah, will I like try it. and get out again. Yeah, yeah, it's and good. I like it a lot. today, before we started recording, Twitter was broken again. A bunch of people were getting uh, rate limit errors. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, it, it, Well, but today was the API day. Today was the day, the oh, API, okay. the day we're recording today. So, so yesterday it happened like uh, June 30th. It happened like for me, because uh, I use Apollo on iOS. Um, and, it, you know, I really dislike Reddit. And I will pretty much probably not be on Reddit on my phone. Just their app sucks, man. From From day one, when I started using Reddit 10 plus years ago, I started using it via the Reddit is Fun app on Android. Yeah. And dude, I've got a 15-year-old yeah. account, dude. It's insane. And, and uh, mine is 10 and a half, probably. Yeah. Uh, will be 11 in September, I think. And yeah. I, I even purchased the, the premium version of, of uh, Reddit is Fun because I wanted to first not have ads and support the app. Yeah. And... So for me, in, in, the, in the central time zone, though, uh, it happened like at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. So I suppose okay. it was a Pacific time zone thing. Um, so, yeah. and and, you know... Spaz, uh, the CEO of Reddit said that uh, they his plan is just to wait because people will come back to yeah. Reddit. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah. but I have only ever used Reddit is fun. So yeah. if my ability to use the app I've been using for ten and a half years is gone, I don't really have a place to go back to. Old.reddit.com. That's the only. Uh, that that, that yes, is my yeah, only but, spigot for for Reddit anymore. And when they I'm, when I'm they actually surprised to close that, that down. I'm actually surprised that it's still working. Uh, the, actually, oh, so what I think is um, they're not sure how to close it uh, without breaking stuff. Okay. <laughs> I suppose that's the only they're reason why it's still going. It's not somebody, some third party that's uh, <clears throat> yeah, accessing no, it's APIs. Internal. It's internal. So, yeah, that'll yeah, keep running exactly. until... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the original Reddit. I, I think. Uh, I, I suppose because, dude, like as a moderator on Reddit, uh, you don't get the same tools on Reddit.com that you do on old Reddit.com. There are a bunch of discrepancies. Yeah. So I think old Reddit.com is uh, is up like for various reasons. Like there is no analog in regular Reddit. So until it is one to one. Yeah, until it's one to one, I don't think it's going to actually change. And so, even then, I don't even I don't even know that it has to be one to one before they pull the trigger because even uh, like Apollo and Reddit is Fun have moderator tools that do not exist internally a- at all. So and is that there is like why a the separate API so for old old Reddit? Maybe Apollo could it's, connect. They, to it. it does not use an API, as far as I understand. It it is like full on hands on with the raw data of Reddit. So just use webhooks and connect to old Reddit with. Well, that's what I think a lot of people are going to do. But I mean, you have to invent them. Yeah. From yeah. scratch. But like how Red Hat doesn't seem to have any update path for the clone users right. to actual <laughs> rel, Twitter also is pulling the rug without having the, having the actual replacement uh, mod to solutions. Right, because. So, we do not want those people that would make waves. 
those we don't want them as customers. And if if they come back as customers, they're going to use the regular stuff. All right, cool. We'll take them. But the paying customers over here, that group is large enough to sustain us and we don't care. Yeah. If they if they convert. If they do great. If they don't, no when loss. You, when you say customer, are you talking about the Reddit users or the or the advertisers because the users most of them are not paying for using Reddit. Well, right, right, right. Mm. And so the users are the product because the advertisers are the real customer, right? Yeah. And that's what I mean by by all of this. Like they're not losing customers by pissing off moderators. That well, not yet anyway. Have you seen interesting as f that <laughs> that is a bit of an unmoderated hellscape and reddit's having a really hard time of replacing the moderators they're kicking out so yeah it seems uh, to be more oh. impactful than the twitter thing just because of the whole moderator situation and that and, yeah there's uh, another layer to it right yeah. like uh like twitter makes its money off of the content that users make that's yeah. what that's that's what this is why this stuff is so in my in my view like unethical and uncool I think um, that model works way better on the YouTube side. YouTube, which is also happen, which also happens to be doing some stuff right now with uh, enforcing uh, ah the ad blocker thing. Yeah, the ad blocker thing because no. you know on YouTube the more people the more people use ad blockers, the more ads YouTube has to push on the people not using ad blockers. So it's sort of a a surf. Uh, not, not so fulfilling. Hold purpose, on, but hold on, Norbert. They don't have to do that. They want to do that. I mean, dude. the The whole point is that maximum revenue. Yeah. yeah, that is it. If that were not the 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 one thing that they're chasing, then they would not have to push yes, more advertising. But also, uh, the more the more ads they push on the regular users, the more even more people move to using adblocker will be moving to using adblockers so the two things sort or of enforce they each do other. like i did and i finally took the plunge last week and got youtube premium because which, sucker which I, I i have been using youtube premium that's for going to happen for years and i think it's people are going to buy, buy twitter blue they're going to buy reddit premium and they're going to buy youtube not doing premium. that but i am i am using youtube what's the difference well i can i can support content creators Dude, a little watch, bit better. watch. Reddit's going to be like, you can't see posts older than one year old unless you have Reddit Premium. Oh, oh. well, then you can just take a flying, you know <laughs> well, what. I am less and less inclined <laughs> to use Reddit and Twitter because I just realized that Mastodon and uh, uh, Kabin and Lemmy, the, the federated uh, yeah. alternatives to Reddit, are the errors. I can get the same information there. And uh, YouTube, YouTube is sort of the the too big to fail of the social media platforms. I think. Now they they all are. Dude. Time will, they're all time too big fail. to fail. Yeah, mm. maybe it's just I I watch a lot of YouTube uh, and I have curated a list of subscribe su- subscriptions that I'm very uh, happy with, and I think I get enough value of YouTube that justifies me paying for YouTube Premium. If sure. that means I. Don't have to see ads, but uh, the creators still get some of the money. Yep. I and actually, th- this all, I, this entire fair, ecosystem actually... exists because uh, we suck at paying for things on the yeah. internet. Because, as I mentioned before, the internet was always free. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But this is these are just these these are services on the internet. I. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I also would rather pay for something than to have to see ads. I am paying for YouTube Premium. I'm also paying for ProtonMail. 
well, a yeah. Proton uh, subscription. And I have also been paying for the Google Drive uh, storage before I moved to Nextcloud. So, but then I also expect if I pay to not be the product. So, but a lot of services just don't stop. Uh, it's not real. Don't it's stop, not real uh, tracking clear. Google is, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of companies, okay, you won't see the ads, but we'll still track you. Yeah. Oh, not just, no, you will see the ads. You open up that start menu, baby. You see that ad? Well, right I'm not there. talking about Microsoft uh, Windows. You try to I'm log about. out, boy. Listen, you need Office 365 before you reboot. Check it out. Got Click no ads on, on Windows quick. 11. Yeah, we've got security <laughs> updates for you, but hold up. We need 89.99. Go ahead. <laughs> Just try to use it without it. Well, we we got to get out of here. Uh, yeah. We want to hear everybody's opinion on this, though. Let us know what you think. Do you use enterprise software? Do you know anybody that does? If you do, give them a hug. Um, yeah, they're gonna need it over the next couple of months. But what I will say is, uh, I'm I'm now using Rocky uh, out of spite. Yeah. So cool. Well, as someone who has never used an enterprise distro, if I would start up a business that would require me to have an an enterprise grade uh, distribution, say Debian. Yeah. Say de- say Debian. Maybe de- maybe Deb- Debian, but also. I, if I, I have I to want, maintain it myself, I, it would be. I, it would I wanted be Ubuntu. to say OpenSUSE Leap or Ubuntu, but like you said, there's nothing preventing the the other enterprise companies to do to to pull a red hat. So uh, it maybe, feels like canonical would do Debian. something like this, or uh, maybe Alpine. It, or maybe. I could just I could just double down on next uh, NixOS, which I'm already using on my home server. There you go. That's I've, the I've answer right there. Declarative systems. I, yeah. I prefer, <laughs> you know, there are uh, company made distros. There are community made distros, but there are also company backed community distros. You know, like Fedora and Debian and OpenSUSE. But NixOS and Alpine are also like that, right? It just makes me thankful for things like Debian, because it feels like. That's the one thing they can't take from us. You can still learn how to make these things work yourself, you know. So, well, on that note, uh, give us give us a call. Let us know what you think. Uh, email the show, show at linuxotc.org, or uh, hit us up on the socials. Um, we got to go. But let us Fine. know what you think. <laughs> Darn it. Um, we'll be back in two weeks, but until then, I've been Bill. I've been Norbert. And I'm still Leo. Thanks, folks. <laughs>